Hi, welcome back to um, my podcast and I'm hoping to put it on video at some point but the videos take longer because you've got to put all these pictures on and all the rest of it to make it look um, and sound very interesting of course so hopefully you can listen to my uh, droning voice um, explaining um, the end times from my point of view and in accordance to the scriptures. I've got to link it to my journey because this is the way I, that I see it and I've said it time and time again. Um, I was baptised on the 11th of the 11th, which means spiritual awakening, wake up call. And it was in the year 2018. I think we all who have been chosen have been preordained. And it's all to do with the fact that I read this in the um, book of Genesis, which says this, Genesis 2.4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day of the Lord. God made the earth and the heavens. And the reason why I say this is because when I looked at the word generations, it, it meant course of history. So the course of history is inside this dome. Now I'm going to find um, the Jewish version of this because it makes it very, very obvious um, about the times that we are in. So let's have a look um, at, the, at the Jewish Bible, um, Genesis uh, 2, because this is really important, I believe. And I think that once you realise this, it, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, so the Jewish Bible says this, very similar to to the other versions. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created on the day that the Lord made earth and heaven. So I'd like to go back to um, the Jewish Bible because I think it gives a little bit more information. Now, this is what I'm trying to say. Genesis 1, 6 to 8 says this, God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the water, let it divide the water from the water. God made the dome and divided the water under the dome from the water above the dome. That is how it was. And God called the dome sky. So there was evening and there was morning a second day. So this is why, as I said before, I really like to look at um, other versions because you see the truth when you look at them individually and, and, and collect that information together and piece it together, you realise then what the word actually means. And this is why the Bible says to study and show yourself approved unto the Lord. And that's in 2 Timothy 2.15. Okay, I'm going to look at um, the churches today, so this won't be too long. Um, and I hate saying that because I know that some people like to listen to a long um, podcast, but some people don't, they switch off. But, you know, I, I'm hoping I can keep this interesting for you. So if we go into Revelation, you will see all the information. So the Church of um, Ephesus will kick straight into this, shall we? It says this. I'm not going to read all of it, but just the important bits of each um, style of church. It says this, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, that to me sounds like there is some hope. It's telling us to repent. And um, that's the main thing I reckon for all of these churches because they have some good things about them, but there are some things that aren't quite right. And it's pretty obvious here that although the church has done some hard work and, and they've persevered, you know, for instance, they've probably done some evangelism and have helped people in the church. Um, he knows deep down that they cannot tolerate wickedness and, and wicked people and people have been tested to be apostles and they've been proven not to be apostles. Now, in the church that I was, was in, and I've been in quite a few churches, so I won't name the churches, but um, a minister from Africa, he came to England and he said quite a few good things. I thought, yeah, that sounds good. And then he said to us, go and buy a suitcase go and buy a suitcase this was in 2019 by the way he said buy a suitcase fill it up and you will be going abroad 
And he said, those of you who, who believe in this, come to the front. And they went to the front, but I didn't. There's something about it that thought, nah, this ain't right. And you know what? This sounds awful, but two of the people that I know, one of them, their dad died, and another one, their mum died. I'm not saying that this is necessarily linked, but this is what I'm looking at now and what I'm just, just, just realising what actually happened. But in my own journey, for me, because I didn't go up to the front, because I didn't believe this, it just didn't make any sense to me. And then I realised what happened later. We had the scam pandemic, And that started literally a couple of weeks later. Something like that anyway. So why didn't this prophet actually see this? Why didn't he see the foolishness to come upon the earth? He didn't see it. Is he a false prophet? I don't know. But he said that that year they will be going abroad. They will be um, and enjoying their life abroad and, and, and buy the suitcase and all the rest of it. Yes, they had to buy a suitcase and they probably had one already, but for the wrong reasons. So that's just my little example. And... You know, if people are offended, I apologise, but that is what um, happened in my particular church. Okay, so that was the Church of Ephesus. Now we have the um, Smyrna Church. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. That sounds absolutely great, doesn't it? Absolutely great. But, you know, they have to, in my opinion, this is about making sure that you are staying faithful to the word of our Father. Now, the Pergamon church says this. These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was to put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that the that they ate food, sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. That's quite strong, isn't it? I think it's a lot stronger than um, the Smyrna church, put it that way. And they must repent too. Church Thyatira. These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. Now, isn't that interesting, that last paragraph in particular? Let's have a read of that again. To the one... To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Now, he is talking to the people in the church. He's talking to the people of the church of Thyatira. 
That one, he says, will rule them with an iron sceptre. I can't remember how to pronounce that word. And will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. So Yeshua has received authority from his father to dash them to pieces like pottery. And so will those in the church who are victorious and does his will to the end. He will give them authority over the nations. The nations, not nation, but nations. Will that mean we're going to be in the spirit and we're going to be um, given a, we're going to be um, have to dashing pe people to pieces like pottery? Hmm. Have to wait and see, won't we? Okay, so the church Sardis, and I've likened quite a few um, churches to the church of Sardis. And it says this, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not sold their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Wow. So it looks like, obviously, the church should repent. That's obvious. And he will blot out names of the people um, who, are, who are obviously not worthy. And they'll be blotted out of the book of life, which means when they say saved is always saved, it isn't. Because their name was probably in there, but their name will be blotted out, taken out. But he will acknowledge those certain few or should I say, those people who does the will of the Father and who have not sold their clothes and they will walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, Laodicea Church. These are the words of the Amen. Now we know it should be Amen, R-A-M-E-I-N. But I'm just reading this from um, the KJV version. The ruler of God's creation. Let, let me start again. These are the words of the of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretchful, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. That is Laodicea, the lukewarm church. Okay, the church of Philadelphia that most people know about and the people have said that um, the bride of Christ um, will be the Philadelphian church. Now these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claims to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. 
since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to, to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Hallelujah. So when you look at the churches, they all have a message from the Lord. And the only church that stands out or should I say stands in favour in the Lord's eyes, is the Church of Philadelphia. But, and this is really big, because there are some people in some of the churches that will be taken out. So that is really good news. Now, there are many doctrines, many churches, many confusing messages. But if you stick to the word, then you will realise that God is not the spirit of confusion. That's the devil's work. And why do I say that? Well... I believe that if God is not the spirit of confusion, then why are so many of God's people getting the end times wrong? And I'll say one thing, the Holy Bible is not an easy book to read. It really isn't. But you seriously have to pray for discernment when reading it, because this is deep. So when Israel became a nation in 1948, and I have to go back to this, what happened in 1947? In Psalms 147, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Is this a hint? Well, they were talking about Israel becoming a nation in 1947. And in 1948, we see this and it, it just sounds so full of love that Israel has indeed become a generation. It isn't obvious, but it is there. So let's read Psalms 48. Let's see why or how should I say that I have come to this conclusion because it's really important to to recognize this. Okay, Psalms 48. You have to excuse me tapping here but I am on, on the uh, computer. Psalms 48. Great is the Lord and mostly worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Like the heights of Zapon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels or citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, pain like that of a woman in labour. You destroyed them like ships of Tarshish, shattered by an east wind. As we have, we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, you pray, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go around her, count her towers. Consider well her ramparts, view her citadels, that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Amazing, isn't it? So when we look at generation, we have to make sure we go back to the scriptures. Because according to the Bible, the word generation means 70 years and at best 80 years. It's not about people. It's about a nation, the generation. The reason why I say that is because of Isaiah 66, a nation born in a day. Let's have a read. Before she was in labour, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth at once? For as soon as Zion was in labour, she gave birth to her children. Will I bring the moment of birth and not give delivery, says Adonai? 
Will I who caused delivery shut up the womb, says our God. So there you have it, a nation born in one day. And this is the scripture that people um, are using. This is, this is the, the theologians regarding Israel becoming a nation in 1948. Wow. This must have taken some real understanding by our ancestors, praise the Lord, to realise that this, especially as they did not have technology, as we have today, to just click the button and click on where the verses come up. Praise the Lord for technology. So let's have a look at um, Psalms 90.10. Our secret sins before you, our iniquities, you have set of your countenance our years we finish in your wrath have passed away our days all for a sigh like by reason of strength and if years are 70 in of our lives the days for and sorrow is only labor and yet their boast years they are 80 and we fly away soon it is cut off i must admit i do love the uh, greek version because it just says it as it is somehow it's raw and it tells you um how, how it is but when you look at um, Psalms 90.10, in other versions, of course, it, it does read, it reads the same, but our understanding has been slightly different over the years. So we have to go back to um, different versions of this. So it says here plainly in the NIV version, the New International Version, it says this, our, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Now that, you may think, is about an individual person. But when you go to the dictionary meaning of um, uh, a generation, and what is a generation? It says, I think 33 years, sometimes it says 50 years. You know, you've got, you got different, you know... Um, different versions of that so that's why it really is best to go back to um, Strong's Concordance so let's do that let's go to Psalms 90.10 Strong's Concordance shall we and let's have a look at what that actually means because all the versions say our lives and that sort of thing so Psalms 90.10, for the days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, which is, as we know, eighty, yet is there strength and labour and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So our days of our years, let's look at our years. And it says this in Strong's Concordance, it says our years is as division of time, as measure of of time, an indication of age, a lifetime, years of life. This says nothing about an individual person. It's an indication of age, a measure of time, division of time. But somehow, all these different versions of the Bible do not mention anything about our individual lives. And then we go back to the generations in Genesis 2.4 where I said before these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day of the Lord God made the earth and the heavens I mentioned earlier about the dome I think we are inside a dome of time a dome of age this is what I believe so we are inside a dome let me go back to that again in Genesis 1 God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the water. Let it divide the water from the water. That means there's water below and water above. God made the dome and divided the water. So it's clear the water's been divided. As it said before, the water has been divided. Under the dome, from the water and above the dome. The dome is called heaven. The heavens are above, by the way. And God called the dome sky. So there were evening and there was morning a second day. So this is why I keep saying, go back to the word, keep reading it, and it will shout at you. And this is what I believe. So I also believe in scripture, as I said, the generation is 70 years, and by reason of strength it is 80. And we know that people live for more than 80 years, so clearly it's not about an individual person. This is why I say, go back to the word. Go back to the word and it will tell you. 